Jen Bosworth Ramirez. And I'm Gina Polici. We went to theater school together. We survived it, but we didn't quite understand it. 20 years later, we're digging deep, talking to our guests about their experiences and trying to make sense of it all. We survived theater school, and you will too. Are we famous yet? Yeah, but that you know that may have been the last time. Anyway, I want to hear all about like you had a callback. Oh it must have been for an gosh. I mean, for a commercial. No, so it was a short. And um, sorry, I'm trying to get my light because I want to see you and see me better. Um, okay, so let's see. Oh, much better. Okay, so the the um. Oh, it was quite something. Okay, yesterday was quite the day. So I'm really, um, yeah, I my agents, uh, my commercial agents were like, hey, we got some feedback from clients. And I was like, oh, no. And it's just, oh, shit. yeah. Feedback, the F word. For me, it is the F word, right? And so I was so scared. And I said, oh, no. And they're like, no, no. It's just that you don't look like your headshots anymore. And I was like, oh, that is manageable. And it's because I've lost some weight. And so my face is just yeah. more angular. And also my hair is a little shorter. And also I'm older. I'm five, you know, I'm five years older. So though I took those five years ago. So like... I haven't had any since I moved to LA and, and anyway, the feedback was fine, but it was like, you need to get headshots. Cause like they're saying that when they see you on screen, it, you don't look like your headshot. And I'm like, Oh man, for the zoom, for the self tape. Right. Okay. So yesterday I, and then I went with someone they recommended because the reason that I do that is so that they, if they have a problem with my headshots, they are the person who recommended the photographer. Yeah. Right, right, right. And I also don't really care. Like, to be honest, like, it's funny. I used to, this is like such a thing. Like, I remember when we graduated the theater school, getting your first headshots, it was like this huge deal. And everyone, who do you pick? Was that Brian McConkie? I went with Brian McConkie. And okay, fine, whatever. But like now I'm like, listen, in LA right now, in Ventura, it's 20 degrees cooler, but in LA, it's literally 98 degrees. And... I, wow. Oh, it's 20 degrees. It can be. Yeah. So That's right great. now it's like 70 here when it's 90 there. Yeah. Uh, so we don't ever get above like 82, which is thank, thank God. Cause we don't have cent- That's amazing. central air. You'll see our house when you come, but it's not, we know. So, um, okay. So I, for headshots, I'm just thinking, yeah, quick, make it look like me, but elevated. And I, I'm going to use, it's like, my priorities have really shifted and I almost like I used to buy clothes for headshots one I can't afford that right now and two I have enough clothes like and I end up literally wearing beans the same shirt the same two shirts in my self tapes to different plaids so because it's always a mom in a Hyundai commercial so like (laughs) <laughs> no, I'm not buying new clothes. And I, so I, I, they re- referred me to this woman. She was lovely. We did it in the beginning of the morning. And, you know, I just was like, I can do this thing now, which is like when I'm in front of the camera, I'm able to get to a place where I'm not as self-conscious as I once was. And I also think it's about, 
it becomes about the shot and less about me, right? These are, I need usable shots that look good and elevated that are going to like not get feedback from clients. That's what I need. I don't, I'm not looking to glamorize my life. I'm not, but it used to be this sort of, um, sort of like self-esteem, like showcase, showcasing me to myself that look, oh, I can be glamorous and beautiful. Yeah, dude. I, I, it's of course no surprise that you're bringing up something that I've been thinking about a lot. Um, I started a, a, a acting for the camera class, like online through HB Studios. And listen, day one, I, 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 I just, I couldn't. I had to turn off the self view. I mean, usually when I'm doing a meeting. I turn off the self view. I don't want to be looking at, I don't want to be distracted by bad thoughts I'm having about myself. So, but, but then I realized, no, but this whole, this is literally the thing where you are supposed to look at yourself and you are supposed to, right. And so I was just going like, okay, how do I stop this negative self-talk? You know, because what I know intellectually is anybody who would hire me for anything regardless of what I think about what my look is, they would want that for their own reason. Oh, she looks like an every person. This ego, this, this ideal, this thing that has been so hammered into us about, well, yeah, but you don't look the way you're supposed to look. So therefore you should just be trying to pretend you're somebody else. I still can't really get past that. Also, I had like a bunch of feelings about this acting teacher and the other kids in the class, kids, because they're all kids, you know, except for me. And I just like, and it made me, I, it made me not do my homework. I was supposed to record a self tape for my homework. I somehow found a way to avoid doing it. And I just, it, that was for the first class. And, and yesterday we had the second class and I just realized like, dude, this is exact, this is exactly what happened to me my senior year of college. I just panicked. And I abandoned myself and I was just like, well, I'm not good enough. I'm not thin enough. I'm not pretty enough. So therefore I won't, that's it. Like it, it began and ended with how I imagine another person, probably accurately, but how I imagine another person is perceiving me. That's it. Like that's, that's, that's the whole of the story. Right. It ends. It's like and a I, very, I, um, it's like a very fast immediate story that um always leads to the same place and is and it's sort of it's interesting it's like it doesn't matter that it's not true right because it, it's true to you in your brain and so I I totally get it and your brain so I've begun to look at it like now and I started doing emotional brain training I don't know if you know yeah dude, it's like I joined this group about literally because what I noticed on a plane, of course, is that they always people always say shit like, oh, it's your brain needs to be rewired. And I was always like, go fuck yourself. I don't I don't know what that means. I'm not I can't rewire my brain. Fuck you. I don't know how to do that. So I'm I I, I, I just one of those things that bothered me. And then I joined this group and um, it was like a, a, a women's group online, a Zoom group about emotional brain training, just because I was curious and it was it was given to me free. And so I said, OK, I'm going to see it. OK, what I learned is. Yes, I have to rewire my brain so that when I'm looking, when I'm getting in a situation that is like 
old school core triggering. I don't mean irksome. I mean like you did a direct express train to self-abandonment. I need a technique that works for me that I can disrupt it. Just like like uh, medicine for migraines is an abortive medicine that aborts the migraine completely. It doesn't try to dull the symptoms. It's trying to abort it, to stop it when as soon as you feel it. Okay. So I'm like, but there is no medicine for that, for this psychological stuff, this emotional stuff. Like you can take an antidepressant, I'm on, but that's a slow acting situation. So I was like, how can I do it? And so emotional brain training literally is the neuroscience of, I mean, basically it's stuff they've already known, but like these techniques and they paired it with an app and I'll send you the app, which is you notice it's a set of steps you must do when this core trigger comes up and you have to do it immediately, which is for me is you notice it's, it literally tells you the steps to do what is going on. Notice yourself, step back. Look at yourself as if you're looking at a cell. You're like over your notice what's happening. What is, what are you feeling? What support do you need? And then it takes you through, through these steps. It's kind of like CBT mixed with neuroscience. Like that's, but what is very helpful for me is the underlying principle is I will not abandon myself no matter what. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You just, and it just takes practice, right? Like it took me all these years, decades of practice to get to this place where I like, I'm crippled and I can't look at myself. It's going to take more time. It's, it's practice. It's practice. And it's also, for me, it was understanding that this is less about change, actually changing my brain wiring and the real brain wiring will change when the intention of never abandoning myself, no matter how fucked up or painful the shit is and uncomfortable that is happening in the moment. It is like, for me, when I abandon myself, I have no hope of, of, of participating in any kind of real way. I'm gone. Yeah. I'm literally yeah. gone. Well, your way sounds much more healthy than my way, which is like, maybe I'll accidentally have a, like a stroke or a traumatic brain injury that will do for me where it'll take away. Like I knew my mom knows somebody in real life who, uh, you know, had an accident and he, that story of like, he came out a different person. It didn't work out well for my mom's friend. Cause he decided I don't love you. I'm not even attracted to you. Right. But I, I wish I had something where I could go in and like in severance, which ironically we're going to be talking to somebody from severance, uh, just take out the part that I don't like. Well, it's no surprise <laughs> that like that show is about that, right? Like we wish we long to take out the parts of ourselves that aren't working for us. And the danger with that is then other people can take them out if it's not working for them. So it's it's so hard to be a freaking human. It is impossible. And I, I, I literally, it has taken me so long to get to the point where I'm like, oh, this is about not abandoning myself. And, and still that's not the end of the road because I have to figure out how not to abandon myself in every given uncomfortable situation. And it's a fucking pain in mm-hmm, the ass mm-hmm. and I do not appreciate it. It's hard. It's, it's hard. really hard. It's, it's crazy to think that it will be more comfortable just to do the thing where you just hate yourself all the time. Like 
I, in some ways I would, and actually that's, that's exactly what came up with this class. I was like, well, I probably just shouldn't do this class because probably I started to go down this thing of like, well, nobody would ever cast me in anything anyway. And this is a waste of my, and it's a three hour class. And it's like, should I really be away from my family for three hours? Even though I spend the other 21 hours of every single day of my entire life with them at all times, you know, I, I just, I found a million reasons and it was exactly what I remember feeling in San Francisco after I give, I send one round of headshots to one round of agents and then I literally never tried to do it again. Well, cause what kind of, why, did, why, why did I spend my whole life wanting to do one thing? And then when it actually came time to do that thing, no. I was like, oh, I probably shouldn't do that. Because, because the ingrate, the messaging is so clear from such a young age that you are not going to get, you are not, whatever, deserving, you can use any word. It is not for you to be happy and fulfilled. Yeah. I don't know. Right. It's not for It's me. not yeah. for you. It's for everybody else or maybe nobody else. But you certainly know, and I certainly know, it's not for me. And you know it's not for you, regardless of what it is for anybody else. And I think that is that is just the hardest messaging to change. I, 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 it, yeah. it, and it's so damaging from such a young age. And the fucked up thing for me is, too, is like, even if nobody explicitly says it in words, we still take in that message from our parents and our loved yes. ones. Oh, that's a whole, been a whole thing for me to figure out too. Cause I, I always said like, you know, my mom never gave me any bad messages. She never said anything bad about, I hear stories about people saying like, well, you're getting, you know, their mom's telling them like, you're gaining weight or withholding food from them. She never did anything like that, but she hated her body always never not after the age of 18. She never once liked the way she looked about herself. Well, I think and yeah. she didn't have to say it about me. For me to see that she said it about herself, for me to be like, oh yeah, me too. Right, exactly. And it's interesting because I think knowing also like really knowing your mom, she was a beauty queen, right? Like she was a beauty queen. So there is something added when the person is, I know a lot of people like this where where they are like uh, praised, like your sister, like your mom, like my sister, for their beauty and their physical uh, feminine amazingness and then it always goes awry because we age and because our bodies change she had kids whatever and so it, 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 she was it was destined it's a mix of patriarchy meets yeah. it's, it's real rough it's rough stuff totally yeah it makes me really appreciate people like Brooke Shields you know one of the things that makes her so cool I think is that she she's the first person to say people have given her all of this credit for being beautiful. And she's like, I didn't do anything to look like this, but I went to Princeton and I wish people would be ha praising of that. Like I, I wish people would say, wow, you went to Princeton and you turned it in, even though they didn't have a film major, you turned it into that and you wrote a thesis on your own movie in French. Like, it's just like, wow, you're unbelievable. But yet, even if she was standing right here right now, I'd probably say, you're so pretty. Right, right. I mean, <laughs> like, <laughs> and it's interesting. It's because I, I think, yeah, as humans, we are, we also, there is something really compelling about someone who looks a certain way. Like, I don't even, like, I don't even think it's, 
that's the thing too, as I get older, I'm like, oh my God, we come by this honestly and we're not doing anything a lot of times on purpose and we're still awful to ourselves and to other people and we don't even mean to anymore. Oh my. No, we don't even mean to. It doesn't fit with our, our intellectual idea of ourselves. It doesn't fit with our feminism. It just doesn't fit. And yet like, it's a real hard habit. Which is why I think if nothing else, like DEI stuff in workplaces, okay, granted, I'm sure like if it only points out our bias about what we think is beautiful, it, then that is one thing. Cause they do they do talk about like workplace bias in a lot of DEI stuff about beauty and beauty standards. And I think if that's all we get from DEI stuff, because we know I mean, it'd be great if we did stuff about, you know, marginalized communities in other ways, but I, I just don't have a lot of hope for that. But if we even just tackled one teeny part of it, which is the beauty standard bias at, in, in workplaces, then we're ahead of the game because that is always been there too, you know? And it's like, it's so, yeah, it's, it's real tough stuff. So, so that being said, back to the headshot. So she was this French, she is this French woman who's a former model. So I thought, oh, what's this going to be like? But she was lovely. And listen, my other thing is I don't have to be in love with my headshot photographer. They don't have to um, think I'm beautiful. They don't have to even think I'm uh, interesting. All we have to do is get some good shots together for these couple hours we're together. And they don't have to like me. I, I And I liked her fine. But if I never see her again socially, great. I, I'd be okay. I'm sure she'd be okay. And we did a transaction. And I saw the some of the sh test shots. I looked fine, great, whatever, and let's move on. But so yeah, you look beautiful. Your makeup. She did a beautiful. really good. Job. I mean, you look great right well, now. I have a, like a hot pink situation. Yes, um, you have a hot pink. A Mac. I put a cute. candy yum yum on. It's called candy yum yum. Mm, anyway, nice. um, yeah. What, what was your oh, callback no. for? Oh, Gina. So this is no, another thing. No, that's a no no. Well, it was a. This is the first time this has ever happened to me in my whole career. Um, so happy to do the self tape for a short film because short films can be done now because SAG is that contract is not being struck um, or like it's not yeah whatever so short film did a self tape it was a little odd I was like oh they wanted in the slate uh, interpretive dance I'm not kidding but and it wasn't a comedy but I thought you know what times are tough I did a little interpretive dance about some emotional journey you've taken look I knew it was a little weird I, my agent knew it was a little uh, um, uh, odd, but I did the self tape. It was about, yeah, it's just a very like interesting fantasy movie. Uh, and then I got a call back and I thought, okay. And the call and and so I, I was at headshots yesterday and my agent is like, Hey, they just sent three hours before the callbacks callback scenes. And I said, that's okay. You know, she said, I told them it would be a cold read because, okay. I said, great. Uh, I'm finishing up my headshots. I'll head to the, uh, the, and then I'm like, let me stop and like print out these headshot, these, um, callback sides at FedEx and I have time. So let me read them and try to do my best. And then I'm reading and I'm reading and it's new material and it's literally uh, about, um, anal sex and like I'd have to perform. Oh, it's a porn. Basically. 
Okay, right. Yeah. Uh-huh. A short porn. Which, honestly, they all probably could be. Well, they should be much shorter than they are, really, if you think about it. But this was, and it was blood. It was also blood and flesh being shot out of a gun. Cool, 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 cool. So I cool. said to my, sounds yeah, awesome. so I said to my, I said to my agent, it was really funny. I was in the Starbucks and I was like, hey, uh, I just took a look at this uh, one callback scene and I just gotta be honest, like my email's pretty freaking funny. It's like, uh, I have to shoot you, put my finger in this man's asshole and uh, I, I'm an old lady and I, 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 I can pass on this, right? Like, we're not going to do this, right? And she was like, oh, my God, because she hadn't read it because she was trying to just get the callback scenes to me. And she figured the first scenes were fine. Like, and I, she was like, oh, my. So she called them and said, you can't. And there was no trigger warning. There was no talk of intimacy. Oh and they wanted, yeah, you can't. Do, no, no. Well, what must be happening is you know, porn, amateur, <laughs> first time director, student films, they're like, this is the golden age because they can illegally, whatever, above board, have access to really good actors for their really shit. Yeah, projects. I don't know where they're getting the money. I mean, which is just another, I'm sorry to interrupt you, but that's just another version of like how actors are always getting correct. screwed and part of why, you know, there's a strike to begin with. Like, no, but see, we're trying to work against this exploitation, not lean into it. I was it. just like, that's going to be a, a hard pass for me. I'm not going to stick my finger, yeah. even simulated, into someone's asshole, and then, and then mm -hmm. um, have sex with them with blood and flesh parts coming out of and, and eating it. No, that's a no. That's a. I'll, I thought about it. I, you uh, know, I spoke to God I, about I, it, I, and I, I decided really, it's not. No, for this me. is not for me. This is not for me. I don't know who it's for. God bless them. But not for me. <laughs> And I am not for yeah. you and you are not for right. me. Yeah. Right. So that was that. So I actually didn't have the full call. What I did have was the almost callback and the getting ready for the callback and the dealing with the aftermath of the callback, which was. And then the realization of it. Oh, God bless you. God bless you. Hey, let me run this by you. Formally, in any way, yeah. Okay, so I, you know, this is a story about somebody that I know who probably doesn't listen to this podcast, but I've decided even if they do, even if he does, good, great, he, great, he, he can hear about it. He can hear about it. I know somebody who doesn't live around here anymore, but who came back for a visit, and I went to see his show. And it was a horrible show. And I kind of ran out after because I didn't want to have to face anyone. I did like the most cursory. I really just simply cannot do the thing that almost everybody I know can do so well, which is including the two people I was with. Oh, my God, that was great. Congratulate. I, I could get congratulations, but I couldn't bring myself right. to say anything. Uh, what I, you know, what would be untrue? Okay, so run out. Well, I had my phone turned off, so I didn't uh, turn it back on until I was almost home. And then I get a message from this guy saying, oh, please stay after. I would love to say hi. And I, I felt bad. And so I said, oh, the truth, which is I didn't get this message until I got home. Bloody, bloody, blah. I did say, because I felt like I needed to say something. I said, it looked like oh, you. Oh, my Lord. Or no, I didn't say it looked like you were having fun. I hate it when people say that. I said, I hope you found the experience fulfilling. 
because that was the kindest, truest thing I could say. Well, he says, okay, well, let's get together at blah, blah, blah time. I said, sure. It's blah, blah, blah time. I'm driving. I can't find a parking spot. You, I text oh, him. No. This is weird. I never have trouble finding a parking spot here. He's going, oh, I have to cancel. Um, I'm at the tire store. I got didn't a flat he, tire. Or I got a blown out tire or something. And so I immediately go, oh, my God, well, do you need help? Like I'm picturing I'm stranded on the side of the road. And he said, no, you know, yesterday we were driving someplace and, and I'm going like, yesterday and you're call and you only wrote me back after i texted happening? you like if you hadn't if i hadn't reached out to you you would have said nothing so i let it go because whatever that must have been stressful but he could have let me know but whatever so we reschedule and we we, we rescheduled and i said can you make it this time not this time he said yeah sure let me move some things around then he writes back Actually, I can't make it at all. I got to take my kid to this thing. And, you know, then later I saw a picture of him having met up with somebody else. Not that day, but the next day. It just was like, what's, what are we doing here? What are you doing? Is this you're just being hostile? Is this the only way you, is you just really want to stick it to me? Because you acted like, you know, and I'm just going like, flakiness what is it what is the flakiness is it always hostile why do we do it why do we allow other people to do it why does it feel like i can't confront this person and say what the fuck dude i i if you had never texted me that you wanted to see me i would have let this go i i would never have reached out to you and said let's let's meet up but you you made me do this that that part is real weird so i'm putting myself in his shoes because I'm just trying to because I can't really understand. So the only thing I can think of is that he's like, yeah, it's very much a mystery. Either undercover is really pissed off at you about something for what, or pissed off at something and taking it out on you. So the hostile, the hostility, which is fucking sociopathic, right? If you're doing that, that's fucking weird and you need help. But also, if it is just that you are overcommitted, that's unacceptable as an adult. We should learn as teenagers to stop doing that. I know people that haven't, uh, but that's also not acceptable. If you're overcommitted and cannot fulfill your commitment, that's unacceptable professionally and personally. So nothing about the behavior is acceptable. So now, I guess... You get to choose how you confront the unacceptable nature of his behavior. I am scared shitless of people, so I might just seethe and tell everybody about it and never say anything, which, by the way, then opens me up to having the exact same experience with someone else next month. That would happen to me because I, in the past, have been so afraid to confront someone about their bad behavior that then, because there is a universe, I think, that believes in having us learn some kind of lesson, I literally will have the exact same behavior from someone else next month. Yeah, dude, you're right. You're right. I mean, here's, and I'll tell you exactly what stopped me from doing the thing and actually every experience I've ever had with this, not every, that's not fair, but every 
conflict-laden experience I've ever had with this person, I've had sort of the same thought, which is, well, I'm in the situation where if I say something about it, I know, I just know that I'm going to be perceived as making too big of a deal out of it. Or, you know, it's that thing of like, a lot of times when you're negotiating your way through conflict with certain types of people, you know, because they're immature, you know, you know what they say about other people who do things that seem pretty reasonable. So, so my understanding that that's what he's going to say, or what I think he's going to say about me prohibits me from saying the thing that, you know, if I was kind, you know, and I, in in other situations, I've been kinder to say, Hey, I just thought you should know how this behavior came across. And like, I don't know, maybe if it's somebody you're trying to, you know, have, you want to have a good opinion of you, maybe you should do it differently. We've talked about this too. When someone has called me on my behavior that has been bad, it has been a gift. I'm not saying I like it, but I'm telling you right now, when I have been called, and it has really made me stop and go, oh shit. Did I do that on purpose? What is going on with me? Do I care? And most of the time I do care. Sometimes I'm like, mm, I don't care that much. But a lot, most of the time, if someone's taking the time to say, your behavior came across like this, I'm like, oh shit, that's not what I want in the world. But that's just me. That's me. Even though in the moment I hated it, I probably hem and hawed, I probably called them all kinds of names in my head for calling me on my shit. But yeah, they were right. Even, you know, I talked about it. Even my old boss at Saturn Films that called me on, on not taking the call, not, not that to call, not doing my job. Yeah. Lying. Lying. Mm-hmm. She mm-hmm. was right. Yeah. But here's the thing, man. I, I think that people like you who have that response and, and even if you get angry, you take it to heart later are not the norm. You know, and so the thing I have to say is to myself is like, what do I really? And actually, if I was talking about this with Aaron, he would say, oh, what do, what do you want? What do you want oh, from this? Yes, person? Yes. What do you want from this situation? And this always this always stops me up because I get to this point of like, well, I don't want anything from him. Um, I would just really want to let him know that, you know, don't treat me that way. And he would say but you don't really have a close relationship and wouldn't it just be easier to like end it just end it or not. Yeah. Just end it. Like not, not in this borderline way of the cutoff, but just like, okay, so you've told me that you don't actually want to see me. So now I know when you contact me or whatever, you don't really mean it. And then I can just adjust accordingly. It's this thing about this political thing, this way of being in the world that I think is better if you can find a way to be a little political and to say, cool, I'm not going to say anything about that because that, you know, I've learned about you and like you, and you're not asking me for feedback and we don't have a close relationship. So there's really no reason for me to tell this person what I really think, except for I have this fantasy that he would say, you know, something you're right. Which he's yeah. not going to say. So I like, think, there's nothing yeah, really for, for me, me to get yeah, out of it. You, you make a good point. And I think to that, I think maybe the word I would use is strategic. 
it's strategic being strategic about feedback received feedback given and also strategic about what choice I make next time is what you're saying so I think there's two different things it's like he he uh, it like triggered you were angry and hurt and probably all the things which you got to deal with and then there's like what action am I going to take if any and maybe he's right maybe the action is just you're never gonna if you make plans you know it's never going to happen or you don't make plans again ever again with the person and that's okay too yeah is there an argument for flakiness that's that's something like hey we don't just you know, blindly follow our obligations anymore. We take stock of like what we really can and can't handle at any given moment. Like, is that, cause that, that's potentially one way to take in this behavior that he's going, well, you know, in these two situations, I'm weighing the benefit of seeing you versus the benefit of like, whatever, doing this other thing that I need to do. You know what I mean? Like, is it, is it, is flakiness always bad or is it, is it sometimes that people are just giving themselves more permission not to, you know, whatever, like, yeah, but that can be totally, yes. I don't think it means they're always bad, but you can avoid that by saying when someone says to me, can we play this by ear? Because I am like, yeah, right. That's better. Then I know. Yeah. I know. Oh, this is probably not going to happen. Right. And it's okay if it doesn't. Right. I'm going to play it by ear. Right. And we can just, can we keep this, our, our I sometimes say, can we be loosey-goosey about this? Or is it like a hard commitment? Because I have all this other shit going on I'm trying to cram in. Like when I was in Chicago, I, for the first time in my life, I did not tell a lot of people I was going. And when people found out because of social media, I was like, I'm not going to hide. I'm going to be there for my reunion, but I'm also not going to. And people were like, oh my God, can I see you? And I was like, listen, I'm literally here for this time to do these things. I don't think it's going to happen this trip. If it does, it's going to be last minute. I'm so sorry, but like, I'm so committed to being on this committee for the reunion. And I got to see my nieces and nephew. Like those are my priorities. And that's it for this trip. And I'm sorry. And people were fine or not fine. Someone was mad. I didn't let them know I was coming. Okay. I, yeah, I wish she would have done that. I wish she would have said, I want to see you, but I'm here for a limited time. So I'm not sure. And then I would have said, okay, cool. So like, text me on this day. If you're free, yeah. great. If you're not, yeah, fine. Also, you know, yeah, that would have been a better way take, to do it. I mean, plans so, are yeah. plans. And there are a lot of people who, I think when people, I'm one of those people that like, I love a plan too, but I'm also secretly excited when someone cancels sometimes, depending on. Sure. But, yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I think too. it's really important to know that like what kind of person I am and what kind of person I'm dealing with. And yeah, dude, a little heads up is all you needed. You're not asking. for. Yeah. And that's, that's actually more to the point. Like in both cases, he could have said to me, many hours beforehand because in the first instance I was out doing something and I stopped so that I would have enough time to come back and like get ready to go see him and I could have not done that and maybe the answer is I I should have flaked I should have flaked on him (laughs) I should have said you know so anyway flakiness and it's in it it's something I feel like it came up with our generation I feel like generations before us weren't ever flaky but now flakiness is is at an all time. I mean, level you just of hear people right? talking about, especially millennials, about how 
and Gen X, how the flake factor and how employers are like, they're Gen like, y, hey. do you mean? no, yeah, not Gen Y, oh, no, uh-huh. Gen Z, Gen Z. Oh yeah. Well, Gen Z, y maybe. and Z, we got What are yeah. we? We're X. Yeah, We're no, X, I always yeah. mix it up. Not X, yeah. Y and Z and millennials get a bad, especially, I think, Z and Y for, like, that that whole thing of, like, not showing up on time and, and, and people not calling and just not showing up for interviews. Like, literally not canceling an interview and just not showing up and not following up in any way. And look, I that's annoying, but, like... I think we got to look at where we're at and what we're teaching people as they grow up. And I can tell you right now from having had my niece who's 14 for a week and my nephew who's 16, if there is, if left to their own, literally devices, if left to their (laughs) devices, those kids will choose the device every single time over anything else. single guy. Damn. Yeah. Damn. Yeah. I, my they niece, really will. My niece, they, they, it's not, it is not negotiable. It's not a question of what they will choose. So knowing that it's like, oh, this child will pick this device up and be consumed by it for hours. And that's just the truth. And so I had to be like, okay, I'm taking your phone at 1030. And that is if you don't get off it. And, but you, anyway, so I think we, we have to look at like what we're dealing with and what are the, what are the, what is in front of people and what are their options? And if their options are easier to just flake, they're going to flake. There's no, totally. totally. So, and, and, and like you said, when it comes to a device, that's the only, that is the only option really. It's like, it's like, let me see if I'm bored enough with my device to venture going out into the world. never. We had to make a rule in our house that if we were going out to dinner or to get ice cream or to do whatever, and somebody doesn't want to come because they want to stay home on their device, I'm not going to bring you anything back. Like the, the, the reward for leaving the house as if like, going into dinner is some chore, the reward for leaving the house is that you get to have the experience of being out of the house and you get to have the food or the whatever it is. And you don't get that if you're if you're if your trace is to stay. Today on the podcast, we are talking to Stefano Caranante. You may not know Stefano yet, but you will. He is starring on the upcoming season of Severance, one of the best television shows of all time. It's not coming out till 2024, so here is your sneak peek of Stefano Caranante. This is not our first rodeo with tech problems, and it's not your fault. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> it re- really, we've had way worse. People, one guy was doing the podcast driving. <laughs> oh, wow. That's that's a lot. That Remember? didn't work. Oh, that one boy. didn't. It was <laughs> real bad. While they were driving their kid to school. It was not good. <laughs> I forgot all about that. <laughs> we were like, okay. Nah, so okay. anyway, we always start the same way. Congratulations, Stefano Caranante. You survived theater school. I Woo! did. Yep. <laughs> and I believe you might be our first um, Italian theater school alum. So I hadn't heard of your school it's called something Grassi, right? Paolo Grassi? Paolo Grassi. 
Paolo Grassi. We want to hear all about it. Is it is it like it is in the United States, a four-year school? Is it a conservatory? Did you have to audition to get in? Yeah, so I had to audition to get in. Like in every school in Italy, you have to audition in every like conservatory schools. Um, yeah, it's like every year they they audition uh, two thousand from from two thousand to three thousand people every wow. year, and um, that's a lot. They, yeah, <laughs> that's a lot, and they uh, only let in like twelve or fourteen. It depends on 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 the on the school. My God! So you really made the grade. Like that was a lot of competition. Do you remember? Do you remember your audition? I I, <laughs> I remember my audition because it's it's, it's pretty funny. Um, I I was twenty twenty years old, and um, and I've I've been doing theater for like um, in my in my hometown in, in Naples, uh, not professionally. So. It, and a lot of friends of mine said, "Well, uh, you know what? I, I'm going to do this this audition um, to this school, to that school, to the other one." Uh, and they were doing like ten or twelve auditions every year to get into schools. Like, and they just they just do audition to to get to to see which right. school will will say yes. And I'll say, and I said, uh, "You know what? It's all right. Let's do it. <laughs> Let's do it." But it was like two days. In two days, I had the audition, so I didn't know what to bring. I didn't know. They oh asked my for, god. Like, yeah, they asked for a scene. They asked for a monologue and a and a, and a song. <laughs> and I did this thing in two days. Went over there, and they asked me questions like, um, "Did you study this book?" And I said, "No, <laughs> I didn't. I did not." Uh, why did you bring this thing? I said, "This that that was the first thing that popped out on the internet. I did oh it." Oh my god! <laughs> Wait, literally, you just printed something from the like your first monologue you found. The first monologue I found, and my friend said, "Oh yeah, this could be okay." Oh my god! Super picked monologue, yeah, <laughs> super picked, and I did this um, monologue out of a uh, um, how do you say like a play, a, a theater yeah. play called. I'll say it in Italian, then I'll translate yeah. it in English. Le Cinque Rose di Jennifer, uh, the Five Roses of Jennifer. Jennifer's Five Roses, and oh. it talks about this. Um, uh, man, she's uh, she's uh, trans, trans, uh, trans, and um, she's like waiting for uh, his lover to come back, and all this wow. story. Wait a minute! Wait a minute! Wait a minute! So here's the thing: there must have been. I mean, obviously, you're a super special actor. If you if you were able to get into school with that. The other thing I want to say is, and we talk about this on the podcast, Stefano, which is that sometimes when you quote, don't know any better, it is like the best way to get into something because you were probably like, let's just give it a shot. And they were yeah. Like, Look at this guy. <laughs> I think that a lot is uh, also luck for sure. <laughs> It's obviously luck because I think you have to be in the right place on the right time and you have to be the right person in your in the right person. No, no. You know why? You know why? I'm sorry. A lot of times I'll say that, but but I'm saying there's 3,000 people. They're watching 3,000 people go through. I mean, look, if you wanted to say everybody was terrible and us 12 were the least terrible, okay, maybe. But the more likely thing is... You know, I'm, I'm just, as a director, I'm picturing myself having to watch that many auditions. 
and I'm dying for somebody to to be good, right? But if I only have 12 spots, then I only have 12 spots. It's more than luck that got you. I mean, maybe it was something luck, lucky that you found out about it two days before and, you know, you were ready and you had a song. You're but... making my confidence rise up. That's good. <laughs> but also, also the other thing is like Jay-Z says. I mean, I, I don't often quote Jay-Z, but when I do, it's usually this quote, which is like you take advantage of the luck that you've been handed, right? So the luck was, oh, I found out that I could do this thing, but it's really you on that stage at the end of the day. It's not. So the other thing I want to say is watching you a little bit and watching and looking at your photos online and stuff, you have the greatest face that I have seen in a very long time. Yes. Okay. I am saying that, that it is so, it is the kind of face and I've done some casting. Like I, I did casting and I actually know Rachel Tenor who I believe cast several. I'm not sure if she did, but she's, she's, I think cast you in something, Rachel Tenor. Anyway, so, and working at, 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 at PR casting, I have like the faces that you see, the interesting ones, the ones where you're like, I wish that 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 the sopranos was still going on because you would have been all over that show and i and i a lot of people a lot of people say to me oh you you should do the remake of the sopranos and i'll say look it's not my decision (laughs) right right so but i'm just saying like it is um there there are faces that really capture your attention and you and you have one of those so i guess what i'm saying is it's probably all these factors right like it's not just one thing so there you are okay so they're like oh stefano you've been accepted and are you like oh now I have to go to school or are you like it's a no-brainer I'm going how did that work um okay so it, okay <laughs> this is a lot um I, I did the audition and then after the audition they choose 40 people to do uh, uh an intensive week in the school like uh 10 hours a day for five days and everybody's over there. It's like it's wow. like the big brother. Yeah, it's like the big brother. You you are over there, and you want to make friends, but you don't want to because they're all enemies. <laughs> it's like a it's like a it's like a game. It's like the Hunger Games and something like that. You you love somebody, but then you know that that you have to kill them. And some <laughs> just kidding, but <laughs> um, but yeah, out of those forty is 13, 13 people, twelve, um, and then. I, I go home because the, the school was in Milan and I and I lived in Naples. And I went home so and after far. Milan it's very far. All the way north and Napoli's it's like south. going, it's like I think it's like going from New York to I don't know, <laughs> Florida, Florida, something like that. Yeah, I don't know. Totally. Maybe mm-hmm. maybe a little bit less. It's like 10 hours with the car. Eight, 10 hours with car. Uh yeah, it's pretty far away. Um and yeah, I, got, I get home, and after two weeks, I was I, I, I'm a pretty good sleeper. I'm, I'm, I sleep. <laughs> I sleep a lot. I love sleeping. Uh, and that day was one of those days where I, I, I wanted to sleep. So it was like 12 p.m. <laughs> uh, in the morning in, in the morning, and my friend that he did the audition with me, uh, he went on the website and he read the list of the people that um, that got accepted and he read my name on it at the time. Facebook was, it was a really big and nice thing. And he goes on my, on my page and he writes, what does that mean? That's, that means wake up, buddy. 
dot. <laughs> yeah, and uh, and I I obviously does that didn't, mean he didn't get in? He didn't get in, but he got in in old school. Oh, okay. He's like one of the best actors here in Italy. He's my best friend. He's one of the biggest actors in, in Naples. And I, I'm really happy that the, he didn't get in in that school because I think that the school that he did get in, it was uh, better for him. That's that's my opinion. Yeah, yeah. So it worked out for him. Okay, so wait, are just FYI, are you in Italy right now? Right now? I am in Italy right now. <laughs> What time? I wish I we could see. I wish we you, could see. You, you wouldn't believe this. This is it's seven p.m. Okay, yeah. Okay, yeah. so you're not. You're you're okay. So you're in Italy. Gotcha. Okay. Hey, Boz. Wait, we we forgot to say the thing that we were going to say at the beginning, which oh, right. is that we're so grateful you're doing this, and we acknowledge that the strike is going on. And so, what we talked about beforehand, if you're comfortable with, is. Um, you should feel free to talk about anything and we're going to wait until the strike is over to air any of these interviews. Is that okay? Yes. Yes. The only thing I want to say is that since I'm in Italy and I'm not, uh, unfortunately in New York and for, for the strike, um, I do not really know what's happening. Oh yeah. Bottom line is they just don't. Yeah. No, no, no. We're not going to talk about what, what we wanted to. Um, so like I'm SAG too, and we're not supposed to actually talk about our projects and publicize the SAG. Like, I know you wouldn't really talk about Severance because it's hush hush anyway, but we're just saying that we will talk about SAG projects and all the things, but out of respect for SAG, if we don't air it until the strike's over, that's why you know what's going on. Yeah. Okay. Just that way we're, we're covered and you don't look like a jerk and we don't look like jerks. You know what I'm saying? So just so you know, if it doesn't air, the other thing I want you to know is when you're talking, sometimes we'll mute ourselves and it's, and so you'll see me going, but you won't hear, but I'm really with you. So don't, don't, don't with this, don't let the silence scare you. Cause usually I'm a big talker, but it's better for sound if we mute. So that's just what I wanted to say. Cause normally I'm like, uh-huh, tell me more. So just know that. Um, okay. So Okay. I was actually a little bit scared because I was like talking and nobody was. You were like doing well, no, this. We're, we're like, <laughs> yeah, no, we yeah we, we we've been doing this for a couple of years now. We've just learned it just makes it easier if we mute ourselves and we're not talking. Okay, so it was a was it a four year school? Uh, just to give you like a quick um, understanding of how we how our school was, and I think how the majority of conservatories in the United States are. So you can tell us how your experience might have been similar or different. It was a four-year school. We spent the whole first year, first two years, really doing training. We didn't get to do actual plays until our second year. And then we didn't get to be in the audition pool for the plays that we would present to the public until our junior and senior year. And then in our senior year, it had all been about theater for those three plus years. And then in our senior year, they started to talk to us about film and television. And we took like an audition class. And when it was all done at the end of the year, we did a showcase in two cities, um, Chicago and Los Angeles, where we all did our stupid monologues in front of a bunch of casting people and you know and then people got connected with their agents that way so you like can a showcase tell us, yeah a showcase exactly so you can tell us how your experience was similar or different from that uh yeah so since i've been living in new york uh um for i think now it's a year and a half um i i can see a lot of differences uh my school um like all the others all the other conservatories in italy um they are three years Three years and 
I do think like five or six days a week from 9 a.m. till closure. It could be at, at even at, I don't know, like midnight. So we, we stay over there for eight hours um, to study a bunch of stuff. And then we stay there to re- rehearsal, continue studying, meet people. Because my, my school was like kind of Hogwarts. You, you can, yeah. It was a big, big, big building all by himself with a big um, garden, um, with a big theater, uh, lots of, um, uh, how you say it? Uh, how you say it? Uh, lots of uh, classes. Magic? Group. Magic? No, no, we don't do magic. magic. <laughs> well, no, I, but it sounds magical. Like, it sounds it was like because, I want to go there. Yeah, it, it's beautiful because we were, we were three years. Uh, acting three years, then there are uh, directors, writers, um, uh, what's the other, dancers, and uh, what's, what's the other one? Oh, um, we call it, it's, it's organization, like the people who study to, how to organize the, a theater administration. company. Or administration. Administration. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we were, everybody over there, and um, lots of us in, in pajamas. <laughs> lots of us in yeah because we were like actually living there you just go home to sleep but when you go over there one, it was all, all basic you're like one campus for everything is what yes, you're saying yes but we don't have dormitories we don't have that in italy it's not a thing <laughs> we we have we sleep at home <laughs> oh so if you if you go if you go to that school you have to live in in milan but you have to pay for your own apartment or something? Yes, yes. Okay. but I'll tell you a thing that will flip your your brain. <laughs> uh, get ready. Our conservatories are free. Shut the front I mean, door. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. I knew you were going to say that, and I think that that is glorious for you all, and that makes me sad for us, but I think not having to worry about the funding when you are an artist in training is like, I mean, there are so many people, Stefano, that we have on our podcast who went to either our school or a state school that had to have like six jobs while they were studying and then were in debt. And then we're like, it, you, you graduate and you have, you know, whatever, 60,000, a hundred thousand in debt. And then you're expected to go like be a, a theater actor or become famous. Like those are your two options. That's two or be an intern for like the next 10 years. Yeah. Yeah. It's, you can't, you can't, it's impossible. I, I, I wanted to, to do it like a master in, uh, in the United States. Um, but then I saw the price and I said, I said look, this is not possible for me. It's, it's, it's not going to happen. Uh, so, yeah. But how did you make your, I mean, so when you were in school, were you imagining I'm going to move to the United States and do television? Okay. I, the, the decision for me to go to the United States was hard. Was ve- was very very hard. Uh, I don't know if you if you know this. I, I'm I'm a citizen. I'm a citizen. Um, I was born in New Jersey. Oh, I did not know that. Oh, okay. Was... So you were one. Yes, that's kind of like a common thing. I've I've known so many Italians who they were born in Chicago. They spent their whole growing up years in Italy. Then they moved back to the United States. Yeah. Yeah. I think my mom just. We, my mom was working over there with my grandfather. He was like a pizza man. Um, I was born and, and my mom always said that I wanted to go back in Italy. Uh, so when I was three or four, I don't remember, my mom said, okay, let's go. 
let's go. And I did all my um, elementary school, middle school, and high school. And then two months of um, <laughs> two months of uh, college, I didn't like it. <laughs> and then I went to Milan. Um, uh, pandemic happened. After the pandemic, I decided to come here in the United States. Why? It was it was a thing that it was in my head. I said I was twenty five, and I said, "Look, Stefano, um, you are a citizen. Uh, whenever you imagine yourself in into the future doing acting, you imagine yourself in a, in a on a big American screen. Uh, let's it's it's it was that, and I enjoyed doing theater, and I enjoyed doing um, my own Netflix show in Italy for kids. That was awesome. That was so fun." Um, but inside my heart, inside my brain, inside my vision on, of the future, it was not in Italy. And I didn't realize this fully until I was like 20, until after, like after two years and a half, maybe three years after graduating in school. So what is it about, this is good because you're our first person that we are talking to this. What is it about American film and television that really holds your interest? And obviously you're good at it because you keep getting cast. But I mean, like, what is it about our, about the film and television here that really drew you to want to come back and pursue this? I mean, obviously it was the right choice, but like, what was, what is it about American television and film? Ah, uh, okay. Uh, it's, it's, I think the... The, the answer is not based on the fact that what is American television or a film, but what is for me Italian television and film? Um, there is a very big, big, big difference. Um, the demand in Italy, it's so much high than the, how you say it, than the, there the are supply. too many, the supply, yes. And in America, it's different. I do think this, it's different. Uh, and there is a space for me. I really think, the, the most important thing is that in America, there's a space for me. In Italy, there's no, there's no space for my niche. Um, during school, I've been thinking about how to sell myself as an actor, as a, as a professionist, as a professional actor. And what I thought is, should I be an Italian? Should I work on myself as an Italian? No, I should work on myself as an Italian that can speak American and has, has that, um, has that, how you say, I'm sorry, my English. No, is not it's that great. Good. <laughs> Wait. So, so what I'm asking, I, I want to interrupt just to ask you when you were at school, what is your, what were, were they like, Oh, this is your niche. Did they tell you like, Oh, we don't really see you being, being at what is the deal what is most sort of who were you seen as and thing that you need to be if you were going to be like an italian film yeah. or tv star i know uh, nothing about it <laughs> i was seen as uh as um <laughs> it's difficult to say in english um there are actors that do protagonism like lead roles and there are oh. actors that do like um characters yeah, you're kind of, what I was starting to imagine as you were starting to describe that is what we learn about sort of um, English theater from like the 16 and 1700s where they call it stock characters, you yes. know, so if you, if you're the fool, 
you always get yeah. the full roles. Yeah. I, mean, I was I, not doing. I was not doing Hamlet. I was. I was okay. the fool, like always. So, like, so always. you were seen. This is is very interesting to me. So you were seen as a character actor, not a like leading man, sort of romantic yeah. lead. No, because okay. I'm not actually. <laughs> I am. Well, uh, it's. It's. See, here's the thing. Like, here's the thing. I think in America, what I'm seeing in terms of casting and everything is that there is a place for people who aren't quote traditionally traditionally leading man material but have the most sort of interesting gorgeous faces and your age is young so you're not going to be playing character actors a la 70 years old on the yeah. screen so you're you're like a very handsome character actor is what you Thank are. You. And, and, <laughs> no, no, that's that. And that, yeah. And that is something that I think we're just starting to in it. And unfortunately, you know, we, we see it more for men than women now, but like, we're starting to embrace the fact that like leading people don't have to be traditionally a certain way. And also you have this sort of thing of like stranger from afar and your English is really good so that I could see why you'd be cast a million different ways, a million different times, but you knew that somehow you knew America I, was the place for you in terms of your acting. Yeah. I truly believe in, uh, in faith, uh, in not, I don't want to call it destiny, but I want to call that life is it's given you signs. Uh, and life give give me a lot, gave me a lot of signs. And I said, why should I not follow these signs? And I knew it was going to be hard. It was going to be very hard. I knew it was going to be a, a step back in my, into my career for the for the beginning. And now it's it's a step forward, obviously. But I yeah, but but I had to wait and I had to work a lot. Um, but um, I read I read a. I read a phrase today or somebody told me, I don't know. And it said, if you don't sacrifice yourself for your uh, dream, the dream becomes the sacrifice. That is, that is really, oh yeah. Wow, that's great. I like that. That's really good. Well, but I'm wondering, was it, was it a risk? for you to leave Italy and come here? Were you worried at all about being able to support yourself? I mean, uh, we'll, we'll get to it. You, you've, you had small parts and then, then you got severance. So I think things are going in the right direction for you. But there was a time where you didn't know if that was gonna be the case. And was it really risky to leave Italy? I, I was afraid, I was a, afraid a lot. I knew that I had, I, I had to get a, a, an apartment and uh, I had to get a job that it was not acting. Uh, obviously, so, uh, and I knew that I, I, I wasn't going to like it, and I didn't. I didn't like it. Every day was. I, I, I say it because I'm, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm an honest person. I, I, I don't like. <laughs> I don't like working in a field that is not mine. It's not. It's not why I studied, and it's not what I studied. It's not what I sacrificed myself for my entire life. So if I have to be a waiter, and I did it for a year and a half. And um, fortunately, now I I just quit and I'm pursuing um, my dreams in a in a in a, in a more um, healthy and balanced way. Um, and I'm I'm happy now. But yes, I was scared. And maybe was the most probably no, it is. <laughs> it was the most how do you say it? scary the scariest thing 
uh, I've ever done. Wow. And you picked New York because you had been born on the East Coast. How did you pick New York? Why didn't you go to like LA and be like, I'm going to Los Angeles? Because my mom had a restaurant in Pennsylvania, so it was closer. (laughs) But that's that's super simple. Super simple. Uh, She was closer to me. But still, so here's where maybe some luck came in because not everybody you know, jump so, so quickly to such a, an, an amazing show. And that, like I said, because we're going to wait to air this until the strike is over. Can you, we, we've had, you're our third severance um, person that we've had on. We had Tramel and Sydney. Yeah. Okay. So wonderful people, wonderful people with really, you know, interesting stories about the experience. I, I think you might've not had their same experience of having to wait through the pandemic to start. Yeah. But um, I, I imagine there's a story there with your audition. Can I, I can I talk about this <laughs> of the audition? Just the audition without talking about the character or the plot. I think you can. All right. You, All yeah, right. we're. I'm more interested in to hearing about your perspective as an actor on the in New York, and you get this audition, and you and what went on for you, and then the process of finding out that you booked it, and you don't need to tell us anything about the plot. Okay. We'll watch. Believe me, oh. we're about to watch. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and I don't want to tell anything. Otherwise, I think I'm gonna I have to pay a fine. <laughs> um, so, uh, okay, it was uh, five months um, after I moved to New York, um, and and I got like it was my third audition in New York. I don't know why, um, because I was <laughs> um, I was. I was with this manager. I, I am actually still with this manager. His name is Bobby. Uh, hi, Bobby. <laughs> and I didn't get like a lot of auditions because I think um, there. Were, I, I was talking about the niche that I had. So I'm an, an Italian-American, mostly Italian, that can speak American, English-American, and has this little accent. So there was the, uh, there, there were not a lot of um, um, auditions for me. But suddenly, this thing came. This thing came. This came. This thing came in. I said, uh, "Oh wow, yeah, let's do it." And I didn't know it was for severance. There was no. There was nothing over there, and just it was just. Uh, it was just just a script. Um, I did the 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 audition, and then I had to wait for like a month. I think a month. Uh, so my brain was okay. Just just. Just don't think about it. It's, it's done. Bye bye. Let's do another one. <laughs> and after the, a, a month, uh, I, we got an email and said, "Oh, uh, that was really nice. Let's do a callback." I say, "Okay, let's do this callback." Um, and uh, <laughs> I did the callback, and that went well too. After two weeks, did you go to the warehouse on the pier wherever they have it? Like that? Not that yet. Area? Not oh, yet. Okay. Callback self tape. Yeah, same. Yeah, so I, I at this point I had to do like two self tapes. At this point, uh, after two weeks, I got another callback, and that t- that was the time where the callback was in Zoom. So they were all all over there, and I still like the day before I figured out by myself <laughs> that it was for severance because uh, I I was like doing one plus one and. Uh, <laughs> Um, and, and it was for that. And I did this callback on Zoom and uh, Ben was there. 
Yeah, I freaked out. I I pressed the button, my face showed up, and there was all these boxes, all the names. And I said, oh, wow, this name, there's a name over there. I don't know these people. And then I read Ben Stiller, and and, and, and I I sweat. I, I was sweating. And they were, like, very accommodating. They were very nice, very nice. And also Ben is really nice, a really nice person. Um, so all that fear that I had at the beginning, it was uh, okay. Wait, is so is sweating kind of your norm with auditions? Uh, for me, I, I mean, just to think about having an audition, I want to like fall apart and need a beta blocker. So did you, or you're saying, no, that was, that was the first time you really felt very nervous auditioning? The first time I felt very nervous. I, I, I'm meeting Ben Stiller. It's, it's, it's something very, very nice. <laughs> I usually don't sweat when I do auditions. I'm usually very confident because I know what I'm bringing. And um, as soon as I have clear what is my uh, opinion and my proposal, uh, artistic proposal, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm okay. I mean, it's fine. It's, I'm doing something. I, this is my job. Why should I sweat? If, if I'm, if I'm waitering, uh, well, why should I sweat? Amazing. <laughs> it's, it's a job. But Amazing. I, but yeah, Ben Stiller was there, so I, I got really nervous at the beginning. But then he, he or somebody else, um, calmed me down, and and then after that, it was another callback. Oh <laughs> sure. my god! Yeah. <laughs> How old were you when this? I mean, you're still around that age. How old? When was this? I was. Uh, wait, 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 wait. I was twenty six. Oh my gosh. I mean, okay, so you're 26. You've got two, you had one callback on Zoom with Ben Stiller and I'm assuming all the producers and all the yeah. peoples. And you must have, okay, and, and how did, okay, after that first Zoom callback, how did you feel? Did you, you pressed disconnect and what does Stefano tell himself? I got up the chair and I go like, you, you, <laughs> because I liked it. I liked it. I, I had, I, I liked it. I was proud of myself because oh, that I, is so good to hear. Yeah. I love stories where people are like, you know what? I'm good. And, and instead of like, that was awful. I'm never going to hear whatever we do to ourselves. You didn't do that. Thank gosh. Yeah. Thank God. You have to be, you have to be, you have to be fine with, with yourself. Otherwise, what are we bringing on the table? If you don't believe in yourself, why somebody else should believe in what you're saying? Just bring something of yours on the table. And if it does not good, it does not good, uh, go well, who cares? You're not the right person. And it's okay. It's okay. No, I need you to be my life coach. Can you be my life coach? <laughs> yeah, sure. No worries. <laughs> So when you when you had to go to the next callback, are we still on Zoom or are we meeting in person? We meeting them in person. Yes, baby. Guy in yes. Person. Yeah, but this is where the thing got tricky. I am um, I I am a pretty anxious person, but when we're talking about auditions, I'm not. I'm there. I'm doing my job. I'm 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 ten on ten, one hundred on one hundred. I am there. But I'm a pretty anxious person. So the, the, uh, the last audition was at 11 a.m. And I got there at 7 a.m. <laughs> oh, my God. That is 
<laughs> I was so anxious. I said, I, I didn't want you didn't to. Want to um, cut it. You were like, I am not cutting it close because because if you listen to Tramel's interview, he cut it close and ended up running full speed towards the pier. Yes, yes. No so way. Anyway, okay, so you're there at 7 a.m. You're there at I, 7 a.m. I'm completely, nope. I was the first person over there. I had to wait the guy to open the gate. <laughs> I, I and then he said, "Oh, you're for you're here for an audition." Uh, and he said, "Yeah, okay. Uh, you have to wait, my guy. My guy, <laughs> you have to wait." And I said, "Okay." So they brought me uh, upstairs. On um, I don't know if I can say where I I did the audition because they also don't say um, it. Don't say yeah. it. Just say you, they took you. Upstairs. Right. I was there. I was there, and uh, I drank like three coffees because I, I didn't know how, what to do. I really didn't know what to do. I didn't want to go on my lines because uh, what do I think? You don't do it the same day. It's done. Whatever is done is done. You don't, you don't go all on the lines again. And even, it was the Ford callback. So I, I, I was you're, pretty sure. Yeah, you're not a big um, overthinker. Like you have pretty good boundaries with your, well, you have boundaries with yourself that you're able to say, no, if I know the lines by now, I know the lines, I'm not going to do it. It's like you learned how to be a pretty good adult. <laughs> like, yeah, <laughs> um, I, I do not overthink because I do think that after the, the third clip you do, it's done. It's not going to be as good as the first one or maybe the second one. That, you know, th that happens to me. You you are making me realize something, which is that we had the same um, we had the same reaction to Tramel and to Sydney about being very confident. And so this is a good word to the wise because people listen to this who are like in theater school, you know, young people or thinking in high school and thinking about going to theater school or just contemplating becoming an actor. You know, I'm not saying it's easy to get to a place of confidence and to feel calm, but I am saying. Every person that we've talked to that's been cast on that show has the same thing in common. So, you know, if nothing else, actors out there, ask yourself what, when, because you said audition is something that you never feel nervous about. And what that says to me is you just know you're locked in. You've got it. You know, this is something to do. That's how I feel about directing. I feel I could go up against any director at any time without any preparation, maybe even. And I don't think I would feel that nervous, but I would have to do a lot of work to feel that way at an acting audition. And so however you got there is, you know, is your journey and every, it's not the same for everybody else, but that would be my, my word to the wise is, you know, figure out a way to feel confident. Okay. So you're there four five hours early, four hours early, you're feeling confident. Um, it's the same scene that you've done for the call for the previous callbacks. Okay. But now the difference is you're in person. And so you're presumably you're working with other actors or at least another actor in person. Or are we still reading with the casting person? Acting with the casting in person. Yes. Still acting with her. Um, but um, they were other uh, two guys for my role, and they were completely different, like super di physically different from me. And this guy, I can never uh, stop thinking about this because I was there and said, "Hi, what's your name?" <laughs> I was like, so "I was, I was fine. Like, I wanted to make friends." Hi, what's your name? And he says, um, 
no, I'm going to say another name, okay? I'll say Marco. <laughs> and he goes like, yeah, I'm Marco. Italiano? I'll say Italiano. And he goes like, in Italian, si, yes. Um, but like so dry, so like he, does, he doesn't want to talk with me. And I say, oh, where you come from? But, and he says, uh, Benevento. And I go like, oh, cool. My, my town is, it's, it's near Benevento. Uh, that, that's super nice. And he goes like, yep, good for you. All right. Oh, wow. <laughs> and then so I stopped that, talking yeah. to the guy. Yeah. I mean, I think that that's the other thing is that you're talking about is that everybody's process of either getting centered or finding confidence looks different. And sometimes it's interesting. Like I too, like it depends on the role and stuff, but like I too am, am, am uh, I, my, my go-to is to like talk because I'm just, that's who I am. But I did notice that like, oh shit, some people are not, that is not their yeah. thing. And I, it took me a long time to realize like, oh, everyone has their process and maybe that helped him or maybe it didn't. But I, it's a very bizarre experience in a waiting room where everyone is up for the same role yeah. and you're all so different. And it's so weird. Okay. So wait, when you walked in there, who was in the, like all the, Ben, I'm assuming Ben was in the room because yeah. that makes sense since that's, yeah. and a bunch of other people. And did they just have you do the scenes or did they, what did they have you do? Um, I walk into the room and I say uh, hi to everybody uh, with, with my uh, <laughs> like Italian accent because at that time <laughs> uh, I, I, I didn't have this American accent. So at that time, um, what, whenever I was normally talking with people, um, I had Italian accent, but when I had to, um, to act, obviously, um, I put in the, the technique, you know, and, and do the American one. Um, but I, I go inside and, and, and Bess was there, I think. Yeah. 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 She was there. Um, castings producer, uh, writer, I think, uh, Dan. Yeah. I think Dan, yeah, Dan was there. I don't remember. Oh my God. It was a long time ago. Uh, <laughs> Dan was there. And Ben was the last guy who, who said hi and, um, he gave the, he, 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 he gave the hand. He wants to shake hand. So I go, so I, I, I dry my hand on the pants <laughs> and I give my hand to Ben. And after that, I said, okay, I'm not going to wash this hand for at least two months. <laughs> I'm going to touch everything I can. And <laughs> um, he, he was very accommodating. He is a really nice guy. He is very nice. Um, I can't believe that people in the industry as directing or um, writers or producers should have or could have um, uh, an attitude where you don't put the actor on, um, uh, how you say comfortable. Yeah, make, make him make feel, him feel comfortable. comfortable. Yeah. Well, I also find that the, the more professional or like the more uh, most for the most part i found anyway i mean i'm not uh, the, the the more um confident the more professional the job the nicer they are because there's no they want the best especially when you get to a they're third not callback. threatened they're not threatened and they want good work out of you and they understand that getting good work from an actor involves being a regular human being accommodating and all and pleasant versus making them feel afraid like if you need to make an actor feel afraid for whatever reason at the third callback you're doing something very 
wrong. So I'm glad. Okay, so did you feel good in that room? How did you? How did you? I felt. I felt. I felt confident. I felt confident. I. I can't stop saying this. You should. You should feel confident. You go over there and you do your thing and you. But I have to say, whenever you know,、um, there's a director over there, and whenever you do your your proposal, he's he's obviously gonna. Um, ask you to do something different, something that is not your proposal. So he has to see if you are capable of doing something different that is out of your imaginary, or your actor imaginary.、Um, so th- the most important thing that I always tell myself is actually hear, listen, listen what what he's talking about. Not doing, oh yeah, sure, I'll do this, I'll do this without even listen. Um, without even、uh, letting finish what what he's what he's asking to you, and just take your time. Don't don't just okay. I'm ready. I'll do it. I, I think I said all right.、Um, can I have a, can I have like twenty seconds? And I waited, and I said okay. Just put your feet put your feet on the ground, and l- repeat your on yourself what he asked to you. We are over there. We are over there to work together. So I'm, I'm, I'm trying to, to put on the table the best work I can. And to put on the table the best work I can, you don't have to be、um, uh, fast. You don't have to. Right. That's the thing that I think about the art of not abandoning yourself. Meaning, when they say, "Okay, here's your note. Here's your feedback." That you can stick with yourself and say, "I love the idea, and I'm going to try it." it、um, of saying, "What did I just hear?" Like to myself, can I have like ten seconds, twenty seconds? Of course, you can have twenty seconds. They don't. They want you to do what you need to do and say to myself, "Okay, what did I just hear the director or the casting person actually say to me?" Got it. I think this is what they said, and let me go. You took the time for yourself because let me tell you something. Every time I have. Uh, not done that in a callback or something. It's like the thing goes not great because I'm I'm so nervous and I'm not centered. So good for you. And I think that's also another lesson for us is that like take your time to really take in what the director has said. Yeah, and and you know something else that I'm thinking about is.、Um, I'm taking my very first on-screen acting class, so now I know everything. I learned yesterday that、um, you know that a really important part of auditioning for television is to be really familiar with the style of the show itself. I mean, certainly watching episodes to get backstory on a character or on a you know situation or a dynamic, but also the style, meaning just. Is this a style where everybody's overlapping, talking over each other? Is this a style that everybody has like big, bright energy? And、uh, Severance, which is you know one of my very favorite television shows, has a style where actually everybody how it how it comes across in the audience is that everybody is really listening to each other in a way that isn't even maybe so much like what real life is like. It's a style unto itself. That people are very intentional with what the characters are very intentional with what they say, and the, both the characters and the actors do listen. They wait for somebody to finish their sentence before they bring in their thoughts. So the fact that you, even though it sounds like that's just a part of your process anyway, and you would do this anyway in an audition, the fact that you brought that style to this callback is was probably really important. Probably, yeah, yeah, absolutely.、Um, 
as you said, the characters in Severance, they wait, they use time as an action, they use words precisely, the words that the writer said, um, and the, the physicality in, uh, in those actors and those characters is precise, so different. And that's, yes. that's, what, they, what, that's what make the, makes the, the, um, the, the show so beautiful. Well, it's so beautiful, and also it is so um, specific. And you know, the world building of that show is everyone is on board. And I think in your callback, what I'm imagining, I have no idea really, but what I'm imagining is they were looking to see will this actor fit into this world in the way that they take direction, in the way that they listen, in the way that they can. How are they? Are they this kind of an actor? And you. I think we're able to show them that you could help them with that world building and not be a distraction or they wouldn't have to spend like extra time being like, hey, buddy, this is actually how we do this show. You got it. And so you matched energy, which I think is so important and so hard to do when you're scared or when you're um, like you want to impress. Like if your job is to if you feel like you just want to make them like you is going to be it's going to go awful. And it's so easy to say that and really hard to do so oh uh, so yeah this <laughs> this this field is full of uh judgment this um work this job acting especially or just um doing art in in every sense is full of judgment um i i and i at school um it's the thing that breaks you it will break you at some point it will say, hey, ha hello, I am judge. I'm here to uh, tear you apart. Um, but the thing that, that make, made me grow is take that judge guy, <laughs> take it with you and use that. You know that somebody is going to judge you. So you better know that. Don't try to impress. Try to figure out the way to make yourself fly and make the best part of you be the best part of that room. Did you, do you think that is, well, I wanted to ask you what specifically from school do you think you brought over, you know, with you to, to the acting work you've done and maybe even especially with severance. And, but also I guess another way of phrasing it is how much of that, did you know innately inside of yourself before going to school? Um, and how much did you, how, how much of your success now can you really link? Like, for example, I'll give you an example. Yes, but I got I, it, I got it. But well, okay. tell me the example, tell me. Okay. Well, the example is I did theater my whole life. I started in, you know, elementary school and I did it all the way through high school. But when I went to just the audition actually for theater school, it exposed me to a whole new way of approaching acting that I had never been exposed to before. It turns out it's like the regular way you should be exposed to acting. I just didn't know that because I did it in schools where it was like the English teacher who was teaching drama. Um, but, you know, it was very physical and it was very like inner life based. I learned all of that in school. I wouldn't have known any of that. I wouldn't have come to any of that if I hadn't gone to school. So what did your training really prepare you for in the real acting world? So I'll tell you a thing. 
Uh, before school, I was uh, I, I didn't have a, an I, an absolute idea of what was acting. I just liked it. I just went to the stage, do my thing, get my applause, <laughs> and then go back and do not know. I did not know anything um, of how this field uh, could possibly could have possibly worked. Um, I got into school, and then the first year. I was just doing stuff as I was doing it before. Doing this, uh, went to school, you know, do my stuff. After six months of school, the main teacher, used, um, let's say the supervisor, you know, the, the main one, calls me uh, upstairs in the in the um, uh, in the how you say the secretary room or whatever, and they talk about discipline and they talked about. Um, how should I behave and how uh, I should um, take this school. Uh, and they said, if you continue like this, we are afraid we have to let you go. Yeah. So I, I, I went down the stairs crying the hell out of myself. I was crying. I said, wow, am I really that bad? Am I really that irresponsible or am I really that um, non-professional? I cried. I cried a lot for a week and then thing changed. So error, fault um, uh, helps you grow. If you make an error, that is the best thing you can do in life. As an actor, at least, as, as my opinion, uh, do something wrong. Do, do something wrong big. Do it at 20 years old, though. <laughs> uh, and learn from that. And you always learn from, from, from your life. You always do something wrong. And you always will learn about that. And I learned in that school how to behave in a professional uh, world and how to... Um, uh, how to um, use judgment how to gain from judgment, how to gain from other actors and not be in competition from other actors, um, how to respect the other actor, how to listen. Um, and these are the things that, not technique. Technique is a thing that comes and go, uh, one day you'll feel bad, one day you'll feel great in voice and physique. Like today, I don't feel great in physique. I don't feel great with, with my voice. It's okay, it comes and go, but professionalism, um, listening, um, respect, um, all these things that school gave to me. He gave, that school gave, gave me, to me a lot, and that is a thing that I brought on set because that was so, my biggest set ever. So if it wasn't okay, for that. So what I'm realizing, I'm so glad you said that because, Gina, what I'm realizing is despite all the, the bizarro-ness of our conservatory, what I did learn was how to be a professional. It, it, I may have not, I, I knew, I may have not always done it great, but I did understand upon leaving our conservatory that, that, that there was something, um, mat a maturity was expected and that the, the, the art itself was something to be taken very seriously. I didn't always follow through on that, but I did feel like 
oh, I may not know who I am, but I know that this thing we call acting is actually um, something to revere and something that is, I didn't know how to get there really, but I knew that it was a serious thing and that um, it wasn't a waste of time and it was something to be taken seriously. Now, I didn't know how to actually pursue it in, in professionally, but I knew, like when I showed up at auditions, I knew that like I was, I, I could act like a grown up for the most part. I, 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 so you're making me appreciate my schooling more Stefano, because I do feel like we, I spent a lot of time thinking I didn't, I, I had a horrible time and I did in a lot of ways, but I also did do think that we learned this was a serious business in some ways and it wasn't a joke, you know, and I'm, and I'm proud of that. So, yeah. But are, are you saying Stefano that you were uh, because of your age or something, you were just, you were treating it like a fun thing? Yes. Oh, okay. Yes. So you but were having I, fun, though. You know, yeah, I was having fun. <laughs> but I was also, uh, as I said, I'm a big sleeper. So I was also coming to school late. You know, uh, fun is okay because you always have to, ha have, to have fun uh, acting because that is the job. The job of doing it in a fun way, right? Um, but, yeah, I was... Um, jumping classes, uh, I was coming on late, uh, and I was not respecting the other time. Um, you know, it, it was not this like big of a deal. I was coming like late of like ten minutes. But okay, still, but... Like, you got mature. You were being immature because you were immature, and this that sounds like the school helped you to be more mature and. And to Absolutely. show up for your in your own life, which I think I learned too at DePaul. I was like, wait a second, I got to show up and I'm expected to be somewhere. And whether or not I do it, I knew, I knew, I knew it was the right thing to do to be a professional. I just, I may have not done it well, but I'm, I'm anyway, I'm having more respect as you're talking about like growing up and being mature and, and, um, taking that judge and saying, okay, judge, I'm going to like what you, what I hear you saying is like, you take the stuff and use it to your benefit and not use it to like beat yourself up or say I'm awful. And you were able to, yeah, step up into the role um, at that last callback. Okay. So you do your callback. You're like, you leave the actual room. What do you say to yourself in that, in that one, when you were in person? Oh my God, this, 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 this is going to sound, uh, yeah, <laughs> I, know, I see you laughing. <laughs> uh, but I said, okay, I'll see you. Uh, I'll see you next month. <laughs> that, that was in my head. Not because, not because they were like happy. Um, like not because they, they said, oh, you're amazing. Or, um, oh, uh, this was the best thing I ever saw in my entire life. Not. It's come on. Let's say the let's say the truth. It's not. I'm not. I'm not uh, Jesus or <laughs> or I, I don't know whatever uh, Robert De Niro. I'm not that guy. I, I'm I'm just a 26 years years old guy that is happy with what he did. Um. So yeah, that's gonna sound a little bit uh, how you say it, corny. No, no, because what it sounds like is, I mean, if you had said that to them, because I've had people that say, that say, see you on set. And I'm like, oh my God. Oh my okay, bye-bye. <laughs> but you said it to yourself and you knew that you were grounded in the knowledge that you had done your best and that this seemed like a good fit for you. And you could feel that you're not. So, okay. So you leave the room, you say, thank you very much for your time. And you say, 
I, I did. And then what do you have to wait? How long? I had to wait uh, uh, a week. I had to wait a week. It was a Friday. I could never um, uh, forget. I was at the time living with this guy. His name is Vulcan. Uh, hi, Vulcan. <laughs> um, and he always says, oh, I was there. I was there when your manager called. So I was like, I was watching TV. Um, I, I don't know what I was doing. I think I was watching like a series on, on Netflix. I don't know. Uh, and my manager calls and I knew that that call would have been like, oh, it will be the next time. Or, hey, congratulations. He calls and I go like, hey. <laughs> he waits and he got, you got it. And he says, you got it. Yeah. And, and, I, and I jumped and I go like, Yay! are you kidding me? And I said a lot of bad words, even words that I didn't know in English. <laughs> um, and I go like, thank How you, thank beautiful. you, thank you. That was one of my uh, favorite moments. Sure, of course it was. What a great moment. It's the big audition, the first big, it's not the first big, um, but it's the biggest. Sure, yeah. It's the biggest, obviously it's the biggest one. <laughs> and yeah. I go like, okay, okay, let me call my mom. Uh, uh, so I go, I go down, I go, hey, 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 Vulcan, uh, shut up. I have to call my mom. <laughs> I Obviously, I, <laughs> I hug them and stuff. Um, yeah. But I call my mom and I go like, hey, uh, what you doing? All good? <laughs> and she goes like, yeah, I'm working. I'm here. Oh, all right, cool. You know what? Um, I got the role. Like, super simple. <laughs> and she goes like, what? No. And she starts crying. Don't say things that to me like this simple way. I, 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 because I say it like super fast, like it was nothing. And so I got her off guard of guard right yeah. and yeah. she started crying and she's oh. um she, she suffers of a, ta a tachycardia how you say it tachycardia yeah and she goes like oh wait 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 oh my god i'm feeling uh, i'm not feeling good <laughs> yeah, she was serious <laughs> I said, hey like mom, mom just chill just calm down yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh my yeah. gosh and so That's that was beautiful. how long how long ago was that that was i think october 2022 Okay, Amazing. so well, wow, listen, a lot has changed for you in one yeah. year, not even a year. We'll have to do a part two. I want to do a part two because I'm I'm mindful of time, but I, but, but I am so. Listen to me. This has been. We haven't done. We haven't recorded in a while, and I, it makes me really grateful that that we did because your story is so inspiring, but in a real way, and you have a great listen. Listen, you you have a great like head on your shoulders and I also think that you you're going to you're going to work your ass off. You're you're going to work your ass I mean really, you're gonna if you want to because you just you're a good you you can tell you're a kind person and you also take this seriously but not too seriously. You're yeah. Right? It's a game. Well, well, not every day. <laughs> we really look forward to seeing Severance and everything else that you've got coming up. Thank you so much for your time. And I will try to let you or your manager know, you know, well, actually, you can just imagine when the strike is over, it'll be coming out soon after that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. thank because you. Because 
because that way also it'll be better for you for press and so people then can you can you can use it as a, a as a way of yeah. like the strikes over like like get me out and 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 it'll be great so it'll be great publicity yeah. thank Very you nice. for your time thank you this was I'm so excited I, for you i i was uh i was not scared but i was okay this is my first podcast so uh let's <laughs> let's so you, you got me and you, first time. That's it. Woohoo! <laughs> I'm happy about that. That was very nice. Together forever. All right. Thank you, Together Stefano. Forever. Thank Take you. Bye bye. If you liked what you heard today, please give us a positive five star review and subscribe and tell your friends. I Survived Theater School is an Undeniable Inc. production. Jen Bosworth Ramirez and Gina Polici are the co-hosts. This episode was produced, edited, and sound mixed by Gina Polici. For more information about this podcast or other goings-on of Undeniable Inc., please visit our website at undeniablewriters.com. You can also follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Thank you.